Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 36, which is brought to you by Muse and Text Expander. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vatici. How are you, Federico? Hello, Ryan. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm exhausted, but I'm good. I'm I'm happy that uh, the iOS and iPadOS 14 review is finally out. It's been quite a week, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you got your review. We've we got that the iPhone event. Uh-huh. You would think that it's September or something with with those two events taking place this week. <laughs> it is not. But, yeah, we're we're gonna wake up someday and realize it's 2021. Which I know mm. we're all kind of looking forward to 2021, hoping that it will solve all of the problems of 2020. Will it though? <laughs> That's probably the not. Yeah, probably not. But uh, yeah, it's there's been a lot a lot going on lately, and especially with Apple kind of doing more and more events. Shorter mm. events, but more events. It seems like maybe the fall is never going to end. But you know, maybe at this point they should just do one event each month and sort of roll into twenty twenty one. And in January, we're still going to have Apple events. Like, why not? You know, maybe yeah. maybe. Oh God, just thinking of that makes me feel tired. Do you? Um, so this isn't. This is totally unrelated to what we're going to talk about. But okay. do you like the whole? more you know events more often and they're shorter and focus well, on less products or would you prefer kind of the old way if we could have it of a whole bunch of stuff all in one I'm, day i'm torn because the online format produces shorter events and those are easier to manage because it's not like apple as you know this two and a half hours event and it's like six different products that we need to cover so making it more compact is more manageable from from a you know Mac stories publishing timeline perspective, but I do miss the actual events though, like seeing the the press line up outside, and for those few times when I was able to attend, like being there and the hands-on area, like just saying hands-on area, that's something that will never be possible again, I guess, <laughs> at least not not for the next couple of years, I suppose. Uh, you know, every everyone touching the same thing. Um, I I do miss the in person events. I really do. The online events are more manageable and they're fun, and the videos are really well produced. I should say, everything is a little bit more comfortable because we're all working from home. But I I really do miss the the actual thing, the physical event, the energy, the the photos, the hands on area. Yeah, I do. So I'm torn. Like. I think that Apple is doing a really good job with 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 the current given the current circumstances. Uh, I think of all tech companies, they are definitely putting out the best videos uh, in terms of online announcements. But if you ask me, like, would you would you want to go back to in person events? Yes, absolutely. Like, there's no question uh, from me. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. And I've never been to an in-person event, but like you said, just the energy around it yeah. is is fun and special. And then also, I I feel like there's a lot more, I guess, anticipation for me oh, yeah. when yeah. when I know it's going to be a big event, right? Yeah, because you're be just going to... two plus hour event. Like yeah. what all are they going to announce during those two hours? You know, there's yes. a lot more kind of possibilities for it. Yeah, and it's also like it, a physical live event is also more meme-worthy because of all the <laughs> moments that can happen on stage, whereas with a, with, a, with a pre-recorded video, 
There's no memes because there's no, you know, accidents, even happy accidents happening on stage. And also, like, following from home, it's just kind of sad because you're just going to sit in your underwear if it's, you know, in the summer and just watching an event on on the TV. It's it's just kind of sad. You know, you're just at home in your pajamas or something and just, yeah, I guess there's an Apple event now. I don't know. It's It, it just feels better when, when it's the real thing. Yeah, well, hopefully someday we'll be able to get back to the the old ways of doing things. Uh, I I love the videos too, and it is kind of fun getting a product announcements more regularly. But mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to love about the the old ways too. So yeah. A- anyways, we are kind of going to talk about something related to this week's event. In that we thought today would be a good time to talk about how the iPhone and the iPad differ in our computing lives. So the ways that we view each device differs, uh, and maybe the ways that there are similarities between how we use each of those devices. But I I think about this somewhat regularly whenever there's a new iPhone or iPad, because the devices in some respects are very similar, right? They, They run very similar software, but the form factor is different. There's a few kind of features where each device specializes. But, you know, the iPhone and iPad, they're both, both very powerful. They're both very capable. And I, I think that it's interesting as, as you think about maybe a purchase decision. Which iPhone am I going to get? Um, which iPad am I going to get? I think a lot about how those devices may or may not complement each other. I don't know if mm. you know anyone else does that. But so for me, I always get really thoughtful around this time of, okay, well, here are the various iPhone options. And this year, there are a lot of them. Um, depending on which one I get, how how will that work well with the iPad that I'm getting or not? And so... Yeah, we just wanted to talk today about kind of the different roles that we give to our iPhone and iPad and, you know, how how they differ, how they're similar. And so we want to start off by saying that uh, for me personally, despite the fact that each device does have a very similar operating system, obviously the iPad has certain features like split view and slide over and multi-window that the iPhone doesn't, but but for the most part, if if you can use an iPhone, you can use an iPad and vice versa. But despite how similar they are, for me, uh, each device serves a very different purpose. Would you say that that's the same for you? Uh, really different reasons for using your iPhone versus your iPad, or would you say there's a lot of overlap? I think there's there is some overlap, and it's this is a fun topic because there's a lot of overlap in terms of the apps that I use, for example. Um, because on one hand, I try and find systems and, and workflows that are consistent between devices. And it's really the primary reason why I enjoy working on, on iOS and iPadOS more than, say, macOS. Because even though they're now separate operating systems, there is an underlying consistency between them in terms of the apps that I use and the sort of just how the the, the OS generally operates. Um, but I guess in uh, in thinking, I was thinking about this this topic for today, and the thing for me is that 
even though there is some overlap, there is some consistency, I use both devices in radically different ways. Uh, I guess the way that I go about it is the following. On the iPad, on the big iPad Pro, which I use as my primary computer, the, um, that's the device that I use for focused work. Like, after lunch, I sit down and I work for five hours, for example, in the afternoon. That's sort of what the iPad needs to do for me. I need to be able to sit down either in the kitchen or at my desk with an external monitor, and I need to use, I don't know, Mail, Safari, IA Writer, Notes, uh, Slack, all these things. And the iPhone, I think, it needs to find a balance for me in terms of, I, I use it primarily for communication, of course, and to stay on top of the news. So RSS and Safari and Twitter. And of, and of course, there's a, like the non-work-related stuff. So uh, Instagram, social media, uh, playing the occasional game, and really mostly listening to music. Um, but I also need to be able, if I have to, to continue the work that I started on the iPad from my iPhone. And now that doesn't happen often. Like, oh, I started this article on my iPad and I need to finish it on my iPhone. But it happens frequently enough that it's not like a one-time random thing. Like, it may happen once every couple of weeks, but it does happen. And so, because of that, I need to make sure that there's an underlying consistency and that there's always, I guess, a backup plan. Like, if I'm not on the iPad, can I get this done? Can I get this task finished on my iPhone? And that is really the reason why even though they are really different devices, I prioritize, for example, um, apps that have both iPhone and iPad versions. And if an app is only available on the iPhone or is only available on the iPad, I may not be so inclined to start using that application. Um, so I think they're different to an extent. But I always need to be, and I guess this is more true for the iPhone. Like, I need to be able to f to do something on the iPhone if if I'm if I cannot use my iPad. But the other way around is not true. Like, I don't think of my iPad as I need to be able to do this on the iPad if I don't have my iPhone because I always have my iPhone, right? But I may not have the iPad with me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I mean. I think you're you're describing exactly the way that I view these devices and and kind of what I require of them. I, I appreciate the consistency and I I really need that consistency even though I may not utilize it all the time. So I, I make sure that both of my iPhone and my iPad can do the same things so that in those situations where I just have my iPhone that I, I'm not like Oh man, I've I've got to wait till I get home to do that thing. You know, I've it, it's it's really strikes me when I've heard people and and not so much recently, but you know, a couple of years ago, I would hear people who would say have their their phone on them and I might ask them, "Oh yeah, you know, do you have this file or do you have this, you know, this document that I need?" um like in a work context and and they'd be like, "Oh, um that's on my other computer. You know, I've got to, I've got to wait till I get home and then I can send it to you. 
And I never want to be in that situation. Right? I never want to be in a situation where I need something right then and there and I don't have access to it. Or, you know, I need to do something and I can't. The the iPhone is certainly not as, you know, it's not the most efficient, the most appropriate device for certain work tasks, but it still needs to be able to do those things. Uh, and so if I get in a situation where I really need to do something right now and all I have with me is my iPhone, then that that needs to be enough, even if, yes, it would go faster if I had my iPad, but but that's okay. And so, yeah, my, my iPhone is always with me. I don't bring my iPad with me all the time. Um, you know, my iPad does have cellular service. It has an LTE plan, but I really still only take the device with me if I know that I'm definitely going to need it. Um, I, I don't really like carrying extra things around with me, you know, as I'm walking around the city, taking the subway, etc. cetera. Um, I feel like I was a little more likely to bring my iPad with me when I lived in like a suburban area where I was driving a car everywhere. Um, when I first moved to New York City, I remember the first week of kind of moving around the city, I brought a water bottle with me because mm. I was so used to just always having a water bottle with me. That's what I would do when I used to live in Texas. And I realized after, you know, a day or two of doing that, that I really don't like carrying around extra things when I can't just like throw it in a car and leave it there. Like I have to keep this with me all the time as I'm moving around. And so because of that, I just don't bring my iPad unless I really need it. Uh, but my iPhone is always with me. You know, there's, there's never a time when I'm without my iPhone. Um, I guess one exception is going running with my watch only but but even then like you know i have lte on my watch so that i can send messages as needed so i can respond to different things as needed and so i i don't want to be in a situation where i need to do something or you know someone is trying to get a hold of me and i can't take care of it so the iphone has to do everything that the ipad does for me even though it does it differently um and i guess that kind of speaks to the way that my devices are set up and mm. even though even though I'd say that for the most part, both my iPhone and iPad have the same apps on them, um, the way that I set up the home screen, the way that I set up the dock and things like that really shows a difference in that the iPad is my work machine and the iPhone is not primarily. It may have work apps on it, but it's not set up. It's not optimized for work. Um, for example, Ulysses, my markdown editor, is one of the most important apps on my iPad, and it's in my dock. I use it all the time. On my iPhone, I don't even have it on any of my home screens. Yeah, I used to at one point because I thought, oh, yeah, this, this app, I love this app. This is so important to me, but it's not important to me on my iPhone. I don't write that much on my iPhone, and for the times when I do, I can just you know search for the app and open it via search and, and that's what I do these days so it's important that it's accessible but it doesn't have to be as accessible as it is on my iPad because I don't use it as often um, do you set up your devices differently in that way kind of different home screens different app arrangements things like that yes and especially because of iOS 14 I think that uh, that difference has only grown bigger um, because I can now 
set up my iPhone in such a custom way, uh, thanks to widgets and stacks, that it, it can really be a, a different from the iPad in terms of what I do on the home screen. I feel like because of iOS 14, the home screen on iPhone is now also like a functional place, whereas on the iPad, yes, you can still have widgets on the left column, but by and large, the home screen on the iPad is still just a launcher, whereas on the iPhone, I can do stuff. And so, again, it took me a while to come up with a layout that really works for me, but on the iPhone, I now have this completely custom home screen where uh, on the first page, I have um, three widgets, and each of them is a stack. So it's actually, uh, I guess, uh, 10 widgets in total when you, when you sum them all up. And I only have, uh, I mean, obviously, I have the four icons in the dock, and those are my most used apps on the iPhone, right? Uh, Todoist, uh, Notes, Safari, and Shortcuts. And then on the home screen itself, I only have four icons. WhatsApp and messages for, uh, for staying in touch with, with friends and family. Photos, because of course I take a lot of photos on my iPhone. And um, the fourth spot, I'm currently trying out different, different uh, ideas. Right now I have this habit tracker called Tangerine, uh, which is, you know, sort of I'm trying to get my life back on track after, you know, spending three months in isolation. Uh, for to finish the review, developing a lot of bad habits over the summer, so I, I want to take uh, take better care of myself, and I'm sort of using this as an encouragement. But I'm not completely sold. Still, the idea being that on the iPhone, I'm, I, I am now allowed to do different things in terms of what what can I do on the home screen besides just tapping icons. And, and so, for example, I can control music with the SOAR widgets and I can start playing different playlists or I can check on my timers and I can more quickly open my notes, right? All these things that I could do on the iPad, but it's just m- easier to do on the iPhone. And it's also like the iPhone, I think widgets are really, well, some types of widgets are really well suited for the iPhone because of just... Uh, the ergonomics and, and what I do with this device, right? I pick it up and I unlock it and there's a widget and I interact with it or I glance at it and I'm done. And I think it, re- it works really well in the context of the iPhone. So to give you an example, IA Writer, which is my text editor, is on the home screen uh, of my iPad. It's one of the icons that I, that I open the most. On the iPhone, it's in a folder. Like it's not even one of the icons that I leave on, on the main page. It's in a folder because... If I want it, I can I can open the folder or I can just find it via search. And like I said, it's it it doesn't have to be to always be there because I mean, how many times do I finish a post on my iPhone? It does happen, which is which explains why I always try to use systems that are consistent between devices, but I can do something different on the iPhone because it's not as important as the iPad. And also I now have, like, I have multiple pages on my iPhone, right? I have multiple pages of, of widgets. I have one that's entirely about, like, music and, and entertainment, and one that is all task management and timers, and the other one that is about podcasts. Uh, on the iPad, I recently went through, like, a major cleanup after having finished the review. I sat down one day, a couple of hours, and I, and I went like, okay, let's get rid of all the craft and all the stuff that I downloaded over the summer. And so now on the iPad, I only have a single page. It's all I have. 
there's a bunch of icons and a final row of folders at the very bottom of the page. And then I have the dock. And I don't need to have anything else. This is my main computer, all the apps that I need to use, all the things that I need to have on the iPad. Now, I do wonder, though, what will happen when eventually, I have to assume, the iPad home screen will also get widgets, which is an interesting idea. Like, will I follow the same approach that I did on the iPhone, setting up multiple pages and and sort of a creating these functional pages, each serving a different purpose. And I don't know, because I do feel like, obviously, I want widgets on the iPad. But I also feel like maybe when Apple brings widgets to iPad, maybe they need to be more interactive rather than, than glanceable. Glanceability, as, as I mentioned, the big thing on the iPhone, it makes sense for the iPhone. The device that you pick up, glance at, then you put it back in your pocket. I think it makes a lot of sense there. But maybe on the iPad, Apple also wanted to wait for a more powerful widget framework that allows for more interactions because maybe those are the kinds of widgets that you want to use on a computer. And obviously, you know, you can you can install widgets right now on iPad, but they're really limited, you know, it's being stuck in the left column. And so I don't know. I feel like right now I'm doing a lot I feel like I have a lot more flexibility on my iPhone that I do on the iPad, but the iPad is still the computer that I use the most. It's still where I get all my work done. And the consistency between devices matters, but only as, like, at least for me, only as, like, a, like as, a, as a persistent backup plan. Like, I remembered all the times when I needed to actually publish an article that I wrote on the iPad from the iPhone, because maybe, like, I was in the car or I wasn't at home. Uh, like one time I had, a, <laughs> I had a fantastical embargo a few, a few years ago, and I published my fantastical review from Ikea because we, we were shopping for furniture at Ikea. Like Consistency is important for those scenarios, but I, I feel like with iOS 14, I'm prioritizing... Well, not... I feel like... I have more freedom on the iPhone that I can do more new things there while still keeping those options in sort of a in the backseat. So IA Rider, iCloud Drive, all these systems that are consistent, they're still important. But I, I'm I'm focusing on a, on other things at the moment. Yeah, I totally understand that. I think we approach our devices very similarly. Um one area where things may not be quite as similar, and I'm really curious. Uh, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but I looked at my screen time data to kind of oh. see, okay, this is how I think I'm using my devices, but what, you know, what does the data actually say? And so I kind of looked at what are the apps that I use most on iPhone and the apps I use most on iPad. And so uh, I want to thank a sponsor, but maybe while I'm doing that, you yeah, I'm, you can I'm look checking. at your screen yes. time so yes. that we can kind of see. I haven't looked in forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I never check screen time, but I did for today. So, um, but first, let me thank Muse. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Muse. Uh, this is the app that we told you about last episode. It's a new pro app for the iPad. Uh, Muse is a tool for thought. It gives you a spatial canvas for your research notes, sketches, screenshots, bookmarks, and PDFs. You can just pull in all your content, arrange it freely, 
with the ability to draw on and around everything. And the powerful gesture system the app uses lets you employ both of your hands and the Apple Pencil to really make the most of your iPad. Have you ever seen those images online that show you a standard office desk from you know, 20, 30 years ago where it has all these different things on it, like a calculator, a pen and paper, a computer, a clock, a calendar, and so on. And then next to that image is a picture of a modern smartphone or tablet, which can replace many of those analog devices all on their own. Well, something that may be lost in that transition is the freedom of having this assortment of random documents and notes and sketches just kind of you know, thrown about the desk in a way that makes the most sense to you. Well, with Muse, you can regain that kind of spatial canvas, but on your iPad, using gestures and a variety of input methods like touch, Apple Pencil, or hardware keyboard. You can organize all the different types of content that you have in a way that basically recreates a desk for the digital space. You can visit museapp.com to give Muse a try if you haven't already. But today, I also want to tell you about something else, which is the Muse podcast. Hosts Adam Wiggins and Mark McGranigan are two of the creators of Muse. And on their podcast, they give a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to create a professional iPad app. Past topics have included advanced gesture programming on iOS, the growing tools for thought space on the iPad, and how to build principled products. So you can visit museapp.com slash podcast to give this podcast a listen. That's museapp.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Muse for their support of this show. So screen time, like I said, it's a feature that I really never use, but it's nice to know that that data is there for when I need it. And I have to say, looking at my iPhone and iPad, you know, breakdowns of which apps I use most, it, it's really right on with what I would have thought. Yeah, same which, here. Um, it's very, there's very little overlap. And, and that's, I don't know, it, it's not surprising necessarily, but when considering how, how these devices run mostly the same operating system and how they do have, you know, most of the same apps, it, it is a little surprising that there's not more overlap. Um, the, so I'm just going to read through a list of some of the most used apps on each of these devices. Mm -hmm. So for my iPhone, uh, Apple books, uh, notes, messages, news, Safari, Instagram, camera, maps, music, and Castro, which I think kind of a common theme there is consumption um, so books, news, uh, Safari, really Instagram, music, and Castro, those are all kind of like media consumption in some way or another, uh, reading or listening to things. And so I guess that's what I use my iPhone for primarily. But then there's also certain things that are ideal for really being on the go. Um, so maps and camera, uh, messages even, you know, I'll certainly use messages on my iPad if I'm using my iPad, but lots of times too, I don't know if you do this as well, if a message comes in, 
I'll often get the notification first on my watch, which is tied to my iPhone. And it just feels quicker in many cases to pick up my iPhone and respond to it right then and there. I think if I got the notification, you know, on my iPad first, that would be different because you can just kind of pull the notifications down from the top of the screen to expand it and reply right there with my hardware keyboard. But since I usually get notified first on my watch, I'll just pick up my iPhone and respond then and there. But when I'm on the go, messages for sure. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of, not not a lot of work things, but more just consumption and things that I do while I'm on the go. Mm-hmm. On the iPad, yeah, it's pretty different. So Ulysses, of course, nice. um, uh, Mail. So I use Apple's Mail client. Uh, Safari. That's that's kind of the one app that's you know listed in the in the top hits for both devices. Uh, files. I actually use at least the last few weeks. I've been using the Files app quite a bit on my iPad, and then Slack and Twitter, which you know Twitter may seem like a consumption you know, app, really the way I use it, I, I'm not big on, uh, at least now I, I don't spend a whole lot of time just browsing Twitter. Uh, I use it primarily to kind of find out what's going on in the world of Apple news, um, to tweet about different, you know, articles that we write on Mac stories, things like that. And so I really consider it a work tool, uh, even though that may sound kind of silly to some people, but all of these really are, are apps that, revolve around my work and help me get my work done and you know it's interesting that some of the some of the apps that i could use on the ipad but i don't like music for example uh, music got a really great update in ipad os 14 yeah and i've kind of i've kind of felt bad that i haven't used it more because i know that it's there and i you know i really appreciate all that apple did adding the sidebar I love having playlists in the sidebar now and just how much more convenient that makes things. But there's something, I, I'm not sure, maybe it's because I think of my iPhone and my iPad as being pretty different in, in terms of the primary things that I use them for. But I, I just, I tend to listen to music on my iPhone. And um, maybe one other thing that kind of plays a part in that decision is that I feel like. Sometimes, you know, like with music in particular, I could have the music app open, I could have it in slide over so I could kind of pull it from the side and and access it quickly. But I don't know, sometimes I feel like if I use apps like that, that I might want to kind of um, use for just a couple seconds, like to see what the current song is, or to switch songs or to... um, you know, do something just really quick. I feel like if I do that on my iPad, then I'm going to mess up the setup that I have on my iPad at the time. You know, I'm going to mess up, mm. you know, whether it's the the current split view, you know, view that I have on screen, or I'm working in a slide over app already, and I'd have to switch to music or something else to to do something there. And then I'd have to switch back. I feel like because of kind of the ways that the iPad is purposely limited in terms of the the different spaces that you have for apps, that if I switch to an app like Music real quick and then switch back, then that's more work than just opening my iPhone and doing it. And even if I were using a Mac, um, because you know several years back when the Mac was my primary computer, 
I would use the music app on the Mac, but I think that was because you could have just unlimited windows on screen. And so it was really easy to, you know, click the the music icon in my dock and then click back to whatever main app I was using without feeling like I was messing up my setup on screen. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's that's something it's a it's a small thing to, you know, switch to one app and then switch back to another one. But it feels uh, maybe it's something to do with the nature of multitasking on iPad and multi-window and all that stuff, but it feels like it's a little more work to switch back and forth between things. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely use different apps on different devices. I, I want to hear from you. What what do your screen time numbers look like? You said that it, it pretty much lines up with what you would have expected. Yeah. 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 So I checked by, I checked by category and, um, uh, exactly what i what i thought i was gonna see um so on the iphone the top category is social and if i drill into that so i'm looking at stats for the past week and if i drill into that obviously there's instagram twitter messages and whatsapp which is exactly what i what i do the most on my iphone and the second category is entertainment so music youtube and a bunch of apps for italian tv so not a surprise there and uh, and then from there, there's uh, information and reading. So RSS, bunch of websites, Mac stories. It's nice that I can see all the domains that I visit the most uh, in the screen time um, stats. Productivity is only fourth in the list with just 15 minutes of mail. And IA Writer doesn't even show up in here. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you're not a pro iPhone user, it seems like. Well, it appears not. It appears that <laughs> it appears that I just spend too much time on Twitter and Instagram and 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 iMessage, um, and then just uh, listen to music and 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 um, check on the Italian Big Brother news. I guess <laughs> this is all I do. Um, the iPad, the situation is radically different. Uh, productivity is the first category. Uh, and uh, obviously it's dominated by IA Rider and shortcuts by far. Like there's uh, 10 hours of IA Rider, nine hours of shortcuts, and then all the other things that I use, Todoist, Notes, Slack, Mail, Dropbox, Working Copy, all the things that I use for work. The second category on iPad is Other, but by Other, uh, this basically means Timery, uh, reader, which I'm not sure why Reader doesn't go under information reading. I guess maybe it's because it's a test flight of the upcoming version, and uh, and a, and a bunch of Safari websites. Uh, so Mac Stories is the most read one, I guess, because of all the tests that I've been doing with my iOS review. Daring Fireball, Nine to Five Mac, all the other Apple-related websites that I that I check out on a daily basis. So the first two category categories on iPad are all work-related. And the numbers are really skewed in favor of uh, IA Writer and Shortcuts. And the numbers between IA Writer and Shortcuts are similarly uh, 10 hours and 9 hours because during the whole editing process this year, which, by the way, I will describe in the upcoming issue of Mac Stories Weekly for Club Mac Stories members, I needed to completely change the way that I uploaded images, screenshots for my iOS review. Because I ran into a problem and the whole system that I've been putting together for the past two years completely broke for me. And uh, I slightly panicked and I needed to come up with another solution. And so I came up with something that involved shortcuts. And so during the whole editing process, 
I kept IE Writer and Shortcuts in Split View on my iPad, which explains why the screen time numbers are similar, because I, I had two apps on screen, those two apps on screen at the same time. Social is only the fourth category on iPad uh, because of Twitter. So a couple of hours of Twitter. And, uh, and then everything else, uh, information and reading, of course. It does pick up uh, books, the Wikipedia app. Um, the Reddit website uh, falls, under, falls under information and reading uh, here. And also Apollo. I'm not sure why. Oh, yeah, I guess because sometimes I do run into Reddit links and those open in Safari. Uh, but yeah, so pretty clear picture over here. I don't, I don't get any work done on my iPhone and I get all my work done on the iPad. I guess this is like pretty uh, clear cut here. Like there's no, no discussion and just a couple of hours of, of Twitter on my iPad. That is the only reason why social is in the top five. Otherwise, this is all work stuff. Yeah, I find it really interesting how similar our uses of these two devices are. And I wonder if that's the case for most people who use an iPhone and an iPad or maybe an iPhone and you know a Mac as their primary device and that you know the Mac or the iPad is their work machine and the iPhone is a little more chill right it's it's for relaxing it's for just leisure enjoying videos enjoying reading enjoying music things like that podcasts of course um I, you know this year with all that's been going on in life, been thinking about the importance of having different boundaries and different kind of um, structures in life that that help help things not bleed together too much. Um, and I, I thought about this because of the fact that so many people have had to work from home this year. So many people have you know, turn their home into not only their home, but also their office, also their space where they are, you know, doing learning with their kids, you know, who who can't go to school, or they're doing uh, a lot more kind of FaceTime calls or Zoom calls or other video things to, to catch up with friends rather than going out to hang out with those friends. And so there's something... I don't know. There's something with our brains, I, I think, that that needs clear divisions and needs clear boundaries and, and kind of like having different things in different places. Um, CGP Grey uh, did a, a fantastic video on YouTube earlier this year. Uh, I think it was called Space You or something along those lines. I'll have a link in the show notes where he was just kind of talking about how to set up your your home, he, he was talking about it in terms of a space station, but essentially set up your home for these different areas of life. Um, so have a space in your home for work, have a space in your home for leisure, have a space in your home for um, sleep, and kind of keep these spaces separate in order to help you stay sane, essentially. Um, and I wonder how much that kind of idea plays into our tendencies to use our devices differently. Because I think if I use my iPhone and my iPad both, you know, kind of in a balanced way with regards to work and fun, work and leisure. I don't know. I don't think I would, I don't think I would like that so much. I think it would be, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't be as, as relaxed using one device over the other, or I wouldn't, like I may not be as focused when using my iPad, or I may not be as relaxed when using my iPhone. 
Whereas now, the way that I use them, yes, there are times where I use my iPad for something fun. And yes, there are times where I use my iPhone for something that's, you know, more work-related. But the vast majority of the time, that's not the case. And because each device has a more clearly defined role in my life, um, I, I can really get the most out of it for that purpose. Um, my iPad can very much be a device where when I sit down in front of it, I know, okay, it's work time. It's it's time to get things done. And when I am using my iPhone, then more often I know, oh yeah, things are things are more relaxed now. I can I can be chill. I don't need to think about work as much. And so having those divisions is is helpful for me. Um, would you say that 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 you know has an impact for you as well in terms yeah. of the way you use each device? Yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, being able to, I feel like, especially for me, being able to unwind on my iPhone once I'm done working with the iPad is super important. Uh, especially this past this past uh, couple of months that I've been working really late hours, um, you know, with my iPad Pro in bed, even after Sylvia went to sleep, um, just kept on writing and editing the review. And I feel like once I closed that iPad Pro, and I switched to my iPhone for like 20 minutes or something before falling asleep, not seeing those icons right there on the home screen, but seeing, you know, a music widget or, uh, you know, um, Twitter and Instagram. I think it really, really helps in terms of having this separation of modes. And like I said, there's always that underlying consistency, right? So for example, if I was, if I, if I already closed my iPad for the day, or for the night, I should say. And but I but I thought of something, right? I thought of like, oh, there's this particular uh, thing that I need that I need to fix in the review. I could still open Apple Notes or Todoist, right, and make a note for myself. So having that option is super important. But the the difference, like the way in which the iPhone presents itself, right? The the things you see right away. I think that is super important and because when I unlock my device, I see music and I see messages, WhatsApp and Twitter. No, actually messages, WhatsApp and Safari. Like I am more inclined to use it a certain way. And so um, I, I don't think, I'm pretty happy honestly with this setup right now, this combination of widgets and icons. And uh like I said, I am I am curious to see what happens now that I'm done with the review. Because like we talked before about how I use multiple iPads, right? Uh, for different things. And I haven't really used the iPad mini in a while just because that what that used to be my um sort of a entertainment and, and relax iPad, but I haven't really relaxed in a long time. So what happens now that I'm done, now that I can slowly go back to my regular work-life balance, um, what happens to that separation between the iPhone and iPad? So right now I can tell you that like the iPad Pro, uh, primarily work device, the iPhone has the option, but I don't really use it as such. Yeah, I want to, maybe before we wrap up, uh, talk about how this impacts purchasing decisions so which iphones 
or mm. iPhone, hopefully. I, I don't think either of us is like a multi-iPhone. Oh, no, not the okay. iPhone, please. Um, <laughs> um, but which which iPhone we buy, which which iPad we buy, just in, in thinking about how they work together. Um, but before we do that, let me thank our next sponsor, uh, this episode of Adapt is also brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Take your time back with the power of Text Expander. Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, they're all taking precious time away from you and your team. Well, with Text Expander, you can take it back. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations including the ability to build reports with customizable date ranges for enterprise and individuals, so you can track how much time your team saves. With TextExpander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current, share your text and images with the whole staff to keep them on track, everyone will share the same message and give the same answers to all customer questions. You can work faster and smarter, uh, use TextExpander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. You can create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and TextExpander does the rest of the typing for you. You can keep your whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language and share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you. And one of my favorite things about TextExpander is that it's available on every device I use. Do you ever find yourself in those situations where you're doing something and you realize that that task would be accomplished way faster using a device that you don't have with you right then? And this is what Federico and I were just talking about. Well, with Text Expander, you can set up your snippets once and they're with you everywhere. So even if all you have with you is an iPhone, you can still perform those common writing tasks quickly and painlessly. Text Expander is available on Mac. Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and Adapt listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about TextExpander. That's TextExpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to TextExpander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, before we wrap up, I don't want to go too much longer, but... I do want to talk a little bit about how we decide which iPhone and iPad models to choose because there are a lot of options out there. And I, I want to give you a challenge as well before we wrap up today. So, so don't let me forget this whole like doing challenges every couple episodes or so has thrown me off. I don't want to let you off the hook, especially now that the reviews published. You're just going to be relaxing for the next couple of weeks, right? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> unfortunately i don't think so okay well i'll, I'll give you something easy but i'll rest eventually but yes yeah, not yet ev- soon but not yet uh so yeah the way that i think about which which model iphone and ipad to buy really i i do think about them as complementary devices and so in the past for example when i i used to use a smaller iPad, and then, you know, I got uh, a, I think at the time it was a Plus phone before the the large iPhones became Max. Um, I was using a Plus iPhone, and because I was using that Plus iPhone, I decided, oh, well, this, this iPad maybe isn't as big as what I really want. And so I ended up getting the 12.9-inch iPad Pro because 
you know, I wanted to have a little more of a difference between those two screen sizes. Um, now, so there are four new iPhones announced this week. And as I was thinking about those, it, it's not really fair to, to I, I joked earlier about how you're not a pro iPhone user. I mean, both of us use the iPhone Pro, um, not so much because we rely on that device for work, but because, you know, in, in Apple's naming scheme, Pro could mean anything, right? Pro, right? Pro doesn't necessarily mean it's for professional users. Uh, in, in this case, with the iPhone in particular, I think it's primarily Pro means more expensive, Pro means more features, Pro means more premium in several respects. And so um, both of us, I, I think, are happy with the Pro models and, and want to stick with them. For me personally, because I use the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, I could use a Max iPhone because they're both fairly big and so there'd still be a pretty big size difference between them. But I actually, for, for the last year, I've been using the iPhone 11 Pro, not Max. Um, and this year, I'm going to get the iPhone 12 Pro, not Max. And the reason I do that, I don't, I don't know how much it has to do with work. I guess, you know, as I think about it, if I used my iPhone more for work, I think I would go for the Max model because I would want as much screen space as possible for writing or for whatever else I'm going to do on it. But because the iPhone isn't primarily a work device for me, I feel like I don't need the Max model. And even thinking about kind of, leisure activities um you mentioned watching videos on your iphone i really don't watch videos on my iphone if i did that would probably push me more toward the larger size but the things that i do are more like reading and um an audio which doesn't you know need a, a larger screen and so i think a combination of that as well as the fact that i like to use my iPhone one-handed when I'm you know, walking around the city or, or on the subway, it, all of that kind of pushes me toward the, the smaller model, not the really small one, although I, I do feel like they're, I, I think I would enjoy that to, to some extent, but I don't want to give up you know, the, the premium camera features on the iPhone 12 Pro. Um, and so you know, I like to use my phone one-handed and, and a Max model, especially this year's Max model, uh, it seems like, you know, one-handed use is really not what that device is built for. So that pushes me toward the, the standard iPhone 12 Pro in this case, because not only, you know, when I'm on the go and, you know, taking pictures or navigating with maps or doing other things, um, I want to use it one-handed, but also when I'm home and I'm reading on it, um, I, I like to just hold the phone one-handed and and scroll with my thumb as I'm reading and that's just not as comfortable with the larger phone and so yeah I think if I use my iPhone more for work I would go for the bigger device just so that I have as much screen space as possible it would be just a tiny tiny bit closer to an iPad screen size although really not that much closer but because I don't I, I stick with the smaller phone but you at least this past year, the last few years, you've used the Max model. Um, is is that what you're planning on for this year as well with the 12 Max, even though it's even bigger? 
always the pro, always the biggest iPhone. That's the rule. Like, I'm okay. a spoiled <laughs> iPhone user. Always the biggest and best option available. Just because I'm using, like, I'm using the iPhone so much for communication and for photography, it's, it, I don't know. I feel like if I need to spend money on an iPhone, then I prefer to save the money necessary to get the best option available. Also because, like, I always manage to resell that iPhone the following year. Like, because, like, all my friends here, they know that I'm always getting the best iPhones possible and that I'm always getting the new one every year. And so the following year, when it's time to replace it, I always find someone who's interested in buying it. And it's got such great resale value, right? Especially because I keep it in really good conditions and I have the original box and everything. Um, so I, I like it. I can always resell the iPhone to uh, to a friend, and I enjoy the best possible tech that I can have on my phone. And the size, just because I I I cannot imagine going back to a small display. And especially now that we have things like picture in picture, for example, making it so convenient to to I don't know to browse Twitter and and watch a video at the same time. Uh, it, yeah, I I'm a big phone person. I, I I I I used to be very much against big phones years ago, and then I was wrong, and I and I wrote about it publicly how how wrong I was. I mean, I was I was opposed to split view on iPad five years ago, so. I think it's a beautiful thing to be wrong and to and to say that you're wrong and and um, and move on, and uh, yeah, big phone, best specs. Like I tend to gravitate toward the maximum storage option as well, if possible, because I do like to I like if I can I like to keep all my photos and videos stored locally, and so five twelve. Like I would I would buy a one terabyte phone right away if if I was given the option. Uh, yeah, so, so big phone, lots of storage can, and ProVersion. Can, can I ask you, when was the last time that you used a smaller phone for some Ooh. period of time or like held it? Because for me, I, 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 was on, I was on the big phone you know, bandwagon for a little while and I, I really enjoyed it. It was great. But then once I tried a smaller phone and I realized, oh, this is really comfortable in my hand or, oh, this is really nice and compact, like... I actually found that I appreciated it. And so I wonder, like, maybe you just haven't tried a smaller phone in a while and you would like it in some ways? No, no, no. The last one was the iPhone 10 three years ago. Okay. And I used That's... it for a year, so up, up through yeah. 2018. Uh, yeah, no, really didn't like it. Like, obviously, I liked it because it was the new design. But as soon as I was able to get the 10s Max, that felt like, like such a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, yes. I now have space on my phone again. Uh, yeah, so much better. And okay. also, I have I have big hands, and it really it just feels cramped to use a small display. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and I know that your your answer is the same for your iPad approach as well. Mm -hmm. you, you want the biggest screen. You want a bigger screen than even the largest one that Apple makes right now. So maybe someday me, we'll get give that. Give me that sixteen inch iPad Pro, Apple. Yeah. Give me. Two terabyte, sixteen-inch iPad Pro. Uh, yes, that, oh that would God. be a beautiful machine. Yes, it would. All right. Well, before we wrap up, let me give you a challenge. And okay, we're I back do, to challenges. We're right. back to challenges, especially since your reviews wrapped up. You know, you don't have that excuse anymore, right? So mm. you, you can't kind of 
I don't like can't, going. can't avoid it longer. I, you know, talking about all these different sizes and everything, um, it has me thinking. You have used your 12.9-inch iPad Pro for a while. Um, you used your iPad Mini, and you've used both of them on iPadOS 14. And I know when I've raised this in the past, uh, the idea of kind of a mid-size iPad, kind of in that 11-inch range, you you haven't used one in a while and and the one that you used to use you gave to sylvia i'm wondering and i i hope sylvia will be okay with this but i i'm really curious now that ipad os 14 is available and even now that you know there's the ipad air which is basically the same size as the 11 inch ipad pro slightly different um i'm really wondering how some of the distinct features of ipad os 14 work on that mid-size iPad. And so maybe you can kind of some someday when Sylvia's got a bunch of other stuff going on, she's not mm-hmm. going to be using her iPad. Maybe you can use that 11 okay. inch or just a, a mid-size iPad, right? Somewhere in okay. between the large iPad Pro and the iPad mini and use that device. I, really, I'd say for, for about a day, like to, to really give it a good shot or at least close to that. Um, I have a few things that I want you to try out in particular and kind of report back on what the experience is like. Um, one is the new sidebars in iPadOS 14. So, you know, what what are those sidebars like on the the smaller iPad than the one that you're used to on a regular basis? Do they display just as much content? Do they feel cramped? Um, related to that, multi-column, uh, especially apps that support three columns. Uh, so, you know, what... Which apps let you use three columns on screen at once in landscape, and how do they work? You know, do they do they feel cramped? Do they feel good? Like, just kind of you know, a lot of it is just kind of your opinion and 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 the feel of the device as you use it. And then another thing is like widgets that are pinned on the left side of the home screen. Can you pin just as many widgets on the left side, or is it you know does it not fit as many? Uh, just really all those things that I know earlier this year, I kind of did this 11 inch iPad pro experiment and I was able to, you know, make a lot of comparisons between the 11 inch and 12.9 inch, but there's a lot of new things in iPad OS ever since then. And so I'm really curious about how that smaller size works with the, the new features that Apple's built into the OS. So it's really about, you know, testing out a midsize iPad whether that's Sylvia's or someone else's, and mm-hmm. and especially using the the new things that have changed in iPadOS 14, and you know talking about how they work compared to on the largest iPad Pro. How does that sound? All right, yeah, that sounds fun. I have I haven't used one in a while, so I can yeah the, uh, that'd be a fun experiment. I'm up for it. Okay, okay. All right. This has been episode 36 of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Muse and Text Expander. If you want to find show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 36. One of the links in those show notes is Federico's iOS and iPadOS 14 review. If you have not read it yet, go check it out right now. Um, you may not be able to read it all in one sitting, but that's okay. You can take it in bite-sized chunks. It is a fantastic review. I'm so excited that it's now live where everyone can enjoy it. Uh, If you want to follow us online, Federico is on Twitter and Instagram as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. 
And you can find me on Twitter as at IryanTLDR. That's I-R-Y-A-N-T-L-D-R. And both of us are writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.